the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to our very first recording of Planted. I'm Sarah Pyan, your host, and we are going to be talking about cannabis. Cannabis in industry, cannabis in activism and advocacy, medical cannabis, cannabis in the realm of lifestyle, but always with a focus on the educational. Uh, We'll be talking to a lot of people working on policy, in the media, writers, artists, educators like myself, and I'm just really excited to be here with you today. A little bit about me. I am the education officer for the apothecarium, actually the public education officer for the apothecarium in San Francisco. Prior to this year, I was one of the chairs of the legalization task force for the city of San Francisco. So pre-legalization, we talked a lot about how to create a safe container for cannabis use in San Francisco around policy, taxation, land use, all that really exciting stuff. But before I got into any of this, I found cannabis um, because I am a cancer survivor. I'm a stage three colon cancer survivor. And if you told me that I would be here nine years ago talking to you about this, I would tell you you were crazy. I did not get into medical cannabis until I was diagnosed. Um, But I had used it, I experimented with it in high school and I used it occasionally as an adult. I did not have any idea of how impactful my use of cannabis would be during my journey. And prior to being sick, I was looking for something meaningful in my own life. And I worked in nonprofit and civil rights. But I found my heart's work being able to help people who have gone through similar situations as my own and quite often worse. So what we're really going to be talking about here today is you know, why people are coming to cannabis and what their work means to them or how they're attached to it and really to get people to understand how complex this whole issue is and that it has a lot more to do with rights and critical thought and heart um, and a lot of creativity. And so these are a lot of the big things that we're going to talk about. For myself as an advocate and a writer and an educator, I just feel that it's really important to have accessible information around this and greater conversations. So this isn't always going to be about people who agree with me. And, you know, even sometimes, you know, to a great extent, but it's important to have all these lenses. That was one of the things when we worked in task force, having people in the industry, city family, and also in the community, having conversations about what would best serve the people. And so that's what we're going to talk about a lot during this. And today, for our very first time, I'm really, really happy to have one of my favorite people here. And that is Ellen Holland, who is a senior editor at Cannabis Now. She's also been my editor in the past and has always been very gentle with me. (laughs) So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's quite an honor to be here recording with you on this first podcast. Really excited. Yeah, and it's my last week in San Francisco before I move over to your side of the bay. Yay. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you first, before we get into everything else, just how you found cannabis and and how you found your work in it. For me, cannabis was kind of always a part of who I was through my um, college and 
and onward, but it was the one part of my life that I wasn't really sharing with everyone in my community. It wasn't something that I told my mom that I was really into. It wasn't something that I told, you know, other family members or even uh, at a place of employment. Um, so I have been uh, a journalist. I had been a journalist working at a community newspaper, was the editor of a community newspaper, obviously covering everything under the sun, including the cannabis beat. Um, but it wasn't until I really found a job in cannabis journalism that I felt able to express my my whole truth in that sense that um, one of the questions that you would get if you um, are meeting someone on a casual basis is usually, you know, what's your, what's your job? What do you do? Um, and so being working at a cannabis magazine, um, having a magazine that is all about the plant and, and sharing education and information about the plant, uh, when someone asks me that question and I say Cannabis Now magazine, um, most people are, are, are accepting and want to know more. Those that don't, um, we'll just we'll start talking about something else. But for me, it having the job in cannabis journalism and, and admitting um, not only my professional but my personal life that cannabis is a part of who I am and helps to define um, where I want to go um, is was the perfect combination of things that's that uh, to put them together. Um, so, um, it's been really exciting. I, it's the topic that I want to cover. And as I've been getting into it, um, I've been working at the magazine for more than five years now, it's changing and it's really exciting to watch different people, not only in my life, but in, in, uh, the scope of the world turn over and come to realize that, uh, there's so many different aspects of this plant that we don't need to be afraid of it. Um, things like that. It's just really cool to see it all changing and, and seeing more and more people find it. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I really enjoy about the magazine is that um, it's it's just a very professional way of looking at it. And, and that's not to say that there's anything Thanks. wrong with stoner culture because that's cool in its own right. Right. But I feel like the accessibility around that is greater. Yeah. Because we we do have a lot of stigma around stoner culture. Right. And I think that, you know, in order to be able to be accessible to adults of all ages and walks of life, it, it should be more factual. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's definitely something that we are devoted to is, is opening up cannabis to people that might have been uh, adverse to it uh, because of the associations with the, you know, negative uh, drug stoner kind of lifestyle, but also sometimes, you know, with the with the sexist imagery that is often paired that was paired with cannabis in the past or like the way that you sell it. It's not uh, it's not a sin. In, it's not a sin thing. It's not a, it's not a uh, alcohol tobacco like those kind of things cannabis is a is a healing thing cannabis should be um, something celebrated in that way um, so one of the things that I really try to do with the magazine is to make sure that everyone has the correct information and, and I really want to have people have a place to go uh, where you know they can come to the magazine and if they have questions about different things they can trust that we're giving them the the, the accurate and correct information and uh, as, as I was saying with you earlier, that, that people in the cannabis industry, the, the people who have been in it for a long time are willing and ready to talk to you. The, the people who 
championed this plant in the past. Uh, Dennis Perone, you know, he we've been over to his house. We've hung out with him. Like he told he told me his whole story in his backyard while we shared a joint. You know, it was amazing. And uh, people like that. Ed, Ed Rosenthal has been a mentor for me. Uh, we live very close to him, and I hang out at his house all the time. And him and his wife Jane are amazing. And um, I love Jane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh... I love Ed too. I, but Ed, you know, I just yeah. yeah, Ed is wonderful, but but Jane is very very special. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it it's amazing that that those people. I mean, I've I've spoke to Rafael Machulam who is the, uh, you know, but is the Israeli scientist who, who discovered a THC. And he's still around and he's still accessible. And I, you know, I emailed him and he got back to me and he called me back. He explained the entourage effect, which is how cannabinoids work in synergy with other cannabinoids and terpenes and all the other properties of the plant yeah. to me over the phone. It's like these people are, they're ready to talk and they're so smart and uh dedicated and uh enthusiastic and and just ready to to share just it's it's amazing space to be in yeah i feel like it's an amazing time to be able to be involved in it yeah you know to be able to have access to these people who are pioneers in their work right and and have such incredible hearts and are really do want to mentor and share with us yeah and the sciences around it the scientific studies that are coming out and the people that are uh, devoted to those type of things or are, are just ready to talk about it and move it forward. And, at, you know, at Ethan Russo is an incredible resource and Mara Gordon at Aunt Zelda's. Oh, I mean, like yeah. everyone is is out there ready to talk to it, ready to talk to me, uh, ready to share their stories so openly and also to, to help guide me into like where cannabis has been and where, where it should go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that those things are really cool. Yeah, and I I think that there's, you know, now that we're even changing, like, if you think about even just a few years ago, pre-legalization, how how differently we were we were working with cannabis, whether it's on the dispensary level, grower level, what have you, um, the opportunity that we have to actually shape the culture around work, right, and the politics around it, to that could be actually greater patterns for the world around us as far as social justice goes. Yeah. And, um... It's not written. It's not done. No. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, I, I think it's a really exciting time. I... That's, I think, one thing, too, you know, when we look at the media and the influence on policy. I mean, what do you... How do you see the connection? Because we're... So we're seeing a lot of states that are going medical. Right. And then we seem to be quickly seeing them switch into... Recreational. Into recreational. Uh-huh. Um, and with the normalization and what we're seeing in the media, how do you how do you see that kind of echoing out? Mm. For me, what's getting lost in the conversations, which is kind of a shame, is the medical benefits of marijuana. Because by switching so quickly from the medical to a recreational model, um, what gets lost is those accessibility points. I mean, we're experiencing that in California. Um, in terms of uh, patients being able to access their medicine um, at the good price rate that they're doing. Um, I, I definitely love loved California cannabis and still love California cannabis, but one of the reasons why I loved it, love it so much, it was the collective model and the fact that we could, you could grow cannabis for others and share it without a cost. 
And that is also being compromised in these switches to the recreational models. Um, I think it's really can help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And recreationally is also a way that it can help people. I mean, we all want to have a good mood. Um, we, it's a great substitute for alcohol in a lot of situations, which can be a lot more harmful. Um, right. But I still don't want to see it go away in terms of what the medical benefits can do. And like, uh, in also, I mean, the CBD conversation is totally dominating um, the, yeah. the, the whole discussion at this point. And it's very strange to me that that is happening. But um, I think people were always looking for a way to utilize cannabis's medical effects without uh, necessarily they didn't want to feel that stone, right? Right. Um, but I, there's, a, there's other ways to get to that point that, don't, that aren't just CBD-exclusive products like that. And it's a shame to me, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to do in the magazine is really give people the correct information about CBD. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first, uh, a couple years back, when this was something that was starting to trend and Sanjay Gupta was you know, doing his specials and things like that. Um, it was a shame to me how the companies were taking advantage of people uh, in terms of hiking up the price and uh, using the information around the benefits of cannabis as a whole plant or, can or even CBD, um, but which, you know, maybe they weren't sourcing from the same places or things like that. And using that misinformation to sell it to desperate people. And it's still happening. Right. And it's still happening. And it's like, oh, we're going to sell a $700 vial of Rick Simpson oil because you don't know. You heard CBD. You heard it was good for you. You don't know that much else. You're desperate. You're going to try it. I think that has been one of the most terrible things I've seen with the industry is people taking advantage of the uh, misinformation or the fact that people don't know. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I wrote about in a previous editor's note that I wrote in the magazine was um, about how I felt like it was uh, like of in the um, <clears throat> sorry in the past uh, the vitamin industry where right when vitamins came out onto the scene when we removed all the properties uh, that were delicious about food and nutritious about food and then had to put them back in. You right. know they were talking they they started okay now people should take vitamins. And people didn't really know what vitamins were. And so there were things like vitamin donuts and, you know, crazy stuff like that. And I think that that's what's happening in CBD, right? So CBD, we know, is a very good thing and can be good for a lot of people. But if you combine CBD with, like, a fried tater tot or you're going to have, like, really, like, refined sugar and put it all together, like, you're not going to get the effects. That's not what it's about. Um, so I think that's misleading a lot of people uh, to have these types of weird products and things like that. I don't appreciate that kind of stuff either. But Yeah, I, I, I don't appreciate it either, especially because when we're looking at hemp-derived CBD products, I mean, there's also where is it really coming from? Has anybody tested it? Right. And then having the conversations about the fact that some of us are sensitive to CBD, and it's not about, you know, when people, people often say CBDs. And I, oh, right. you know, there's one CBD, there are many ratios. Right, right, right. You know, and it's, it's about I, what works well for you. One time I did have an, I did have an excuse to say CBDs, which is when I was talking about CBD A. Mm -hmm. 
and CBD. With CBDA, the acid component right. of it, right? So I was like, okay, now you can say CBDs because like true. there are two things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it, people. It, what's fun about cannabis? What's fun about cannabis journalism is is the fact that we are. Uh, oftentimes new things are coming up and we're making up new words all the time and and defining a different culture. Um, So I think those kinds of things are are really are really fun and I get I have fun talking about things like CBDs and like if that would actually go or or like in the magazine it's we have our own style guide and it's like do we capitalize Mary Jane like you you know Uh AP style doesn't know what to do AP style doesn't have all this vernacular, we are inventing it. And then now mainstream media is coming to us and saying like, oh, well, what's what's going on over here? We didn't know about these things. So it's it's pretty cool to see um, in that regard. And then in terms of the AP too, I mean, the AP's out there, they're, they're doing their stories, they're doing coverage, but mm-hmm. Cannabis Now, we have a better stock of imagery and that's shout out Gracie Malley, our photo editor, but we have, we have, more images on file of cannabis of real people using cannabis than the Associated Press at this time. Like they will run the same image over and over and over again. Like we are in, we are in it. We are finding the people and the subjects, and it's 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 great. I I love it. I love being in that point um, that we can still. I still feel like we can have an impact over mainstream media or journalism that is uh, corporatized and things like that. I'll, you're setting the stage, mm-hmm. and, and somebody has to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I love it. It's really fun. Yeah, I, I, well, and I think it brings it into, you know, talking about just setting the stage and, and the stigma versus education. Yeah. Um, I, I know one thing, like, when I've gone into other states doing work and finding out what their policies are going to be when they start medical programs, like, we're not going to allow people to smoke flowers, but we'll allow vape cartridges sure um and we're not going to allow edibles and it's like well, where's the rationale around this and it's not necessarily around it isn't around education it's around the stigma that's been created by stories like smoking is bad or eating a whole brownie in colorado and writing sure. about it without really oh my gosh looking yeah. at her milligram amounts <laughs> yeah not naming names <laughs> sure 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 I'm writing those positive stories. Like, I took 100 milligrams and survived. (laughs) (laughs) I had a great time. I met met a celebrity. It was fantastic. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, what, I feel like um, we have a lot, a lot more to go as far as, like, outreach with education, educating you know, people who are working in policy and in health and you know, yeah. people, people want to know. Right. Um, but I'm also, I, I, what do you, I'd like to, I'd be interested in seeing what you think as far as like misinformation versus education that you're seeing out there today. Um, <clears throat> I think as cannabis gets bigger and bigger and becomes more of an industry, mm-hmm. There's a lot more influences from uh, corporate interests to uh, shape a narrative that is beneficial towards them, but maybe isn't beneficial as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in that way, I think that the strength of cannabis media is to, to uh, suss out those companies and kind of uh, see where they're at and, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think it also goes back to just, you know, 
as we start to gloss over the medical aspects of cannabis right. and get into, you know, the adult use or recreational market, it's like what we're forgetting is that whether we call it medical or recreational, it's a substance that creates a reaction in the body mm -hmm. and that we need to have an informed, educated public right. that so that they can they can use it safely and that we're not reinforcing stigma because this is this is a plant that has adaptogenic qualities. It creates balance in the system, right? Um, and it can't kill you. And we have all, but every time that there is a bad, you know, reaction or a bad story due to lack of education, we make it harder for people who needed to have access to it because those stories create fear, and that fear creates bad policy. Right. I think. It's interesting to me because one of the ways that I see people wanting to access cannabis for the first time is often edibles because edibles, they think, oh, well, I'm not going to smoke. I haven't smoked in a long time. I don't know how to roll a joint, whatever. I'm going to try an edible. And, you know, edibles, are, are there, they can be much stronger and they can last for a much longer duration. So that wouldn't necessarily be like where I would start a beginner uh, with cannabis. And that was something that I saw when the dispensaries opened on January 1st, 2018, and, and they were ready. And, and I saw the, the edible in the, you know, in, um, in the, behind the counter and in the vending machine and that, and that I understood at that point, like, oh, I see what the fear is around edibles. People know that edibles can be very strong. Most people have had, who have had edibles have had a bad experience with edibles. I understand why they want to cut the milligrams back, but at the same time, there needs to be a conversation around, like, how many milligrams should you take? And, you know, like, what is a, what is a recommended dose? And start small, low and slow is one of the big conversations around edibles. Oh, yeah. And that's a good thing to, to, to really let people know when you're going to get started is, like, you know, make sure you're you're in a, a good space too. Don't don't do it at 10 a.m. at work like me or anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, make sure that you're in a comfortable place that it's and and it's going to last maybe for longer than you expected. And try and start with a really small dose, right? Because right. Well, and you can also. Uh, I know a lot of times people say to me, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a big guy. I can have a little bit more." And it's like it has nothing to do with body mass. It's not like when we were in health class and they're like you know, a shot versus, like, a glass of wine versus, you know, a glass of beer. Yeah. And, I mean, because there are very, there are people who need more cannabinoids for relief that are s very petite. Right. And then there's, like, my fiancé, who I call my two-hit wonder, who's, <laughs> you know, over six feet tall, and he's a big guy. And it's, like, you know, it's, it's really just about being patient and starting like you said you know slow and low is the way to go yeah um, one the one thing that I am interested in and you maybe know more than I do about it but in terms of edibles I think another big part of the conversation that people don't have is how what is in the edible like how if it's butter is it butter is it keef is it hash is it distillate um, is it BHO and do those things matter in terms of how my body absorbs it. Uh, th th those kind of conversations have always been interesting to me and I haven't been able to really get that down. But I think when I do edibles coverage, I do want to tell people like it's from, it's it's in butter or it's, this has been sourced from, uh, this is distillate. Because uh, uh, people are, uh, mm, cannabis is becoming more of a mm, generic commodity kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I find solace in the specifics. I think you're right on with that, especially because, you know, the different ways of of medicating the product, I mean, there are different chemical reactions, right? Right. 
So we're in turn, the chemical reaction that goes on in our body is going to be different depending on the concentrate, which is why people will say this has this, this product has the same ratio as this product, but this one feels different. Yeah. You know, and then you also take into consideration, is it a low temperature or high temperature extraction? Because yeah, right. that's going to change the feel too. Yeah. So I think that those aren't important conversations to have. I don't think that those conversations are happening a lot. No, I think it's more along the lines of, okay, 10 milligrams is where I should start Colorado said, and that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. you know, what's in, what are you having? And also, like we said before, like, what are you combining it with? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it coming in? Is it, is it super sugary and, you know, terrible in terms of other health things? And then there's some canna- cannabis in it. Well, that's great. You want to try it recreationally. I love it. But if you're looking at uh, different products that you're actually like want to understand what cannabis is as a medicine, maybe start thinking about food as a medicine, too, and mm-hmm. combining them together. Right. You don't want to. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, well, I'm one of those people and I know I've heard other people, you know, that we know mention it, too, that like. I feel like everything we put in our bodies is medicinal. And that's like when people say, oh, Sarah, I don't believe in medical cannabis. Like, I don't believe I'm using cannabis medicinally. And I'm like, well, how do you feel after you use it? Like, how does your body feel? Mm -hmm. I I wonder what your cortisol levels are like when you're, like, able to relax. How is your relationship, you know, with your partner at home when you're able to kind of unwind at the end of the day? Right, right. You know, everything we put in our bodies does create a reaction. It's all so medicinal. And I also think that that's, like, it's also one of those opportunities that we get in the crazy world that we live in to get in touch with our bodies, you know? Yeah, it's, and, it's moment. and cannabis, like we said, you said earlier, is all about restoring the homeostasis and, and restoring our bodies to be in that place that we need them to be. So let's give them other advantages as well by, you know, good food and good environments and good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all those things are important, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's kind of funny when you think about something that, when used mindfully, creates so much balance. Yeah. But... But you could also use it unmindfully, and a lot of people do, for yeah. sure. And I think uh, part of the culture around cannabis is a, is that gets strange to me is a culture of excess. The you know the de- the extreme dabbing and things like that. It's just like yeah. the what? <laughs> yeah, well, I remember um, like especially pre legalization. Uh, when we would be, we, there was a lot more concentrates on the market, mm-hmm. and. At that point in time, like when I when somebody was dabbing a lot, it's like they're you noticed it in their pallor because they're over flooding. I have definitely over flooded my own cannabinoid receptors and and, yeah. and felt the effects of it. You oh, know, like too. there was a there was a time when I, I secured all the like uh, it's part of a judging pack and uh, you know there was a team of concentrates and I was like, all right, this is awesome. I'm gonna do this for like you know, all week long, it's going to be amazing. And it, and it was really fun. And I do like, I do like that high. I don't, sure. um, I don't not like being high from cannabis, but, uh, I flooded my system too much and I started to get on the anxious end, which mm-hmm. is when you have too much THC, you know, it's like, I have to pull back personally. Yeah. I have to pull back, yeah. um, because this, this is too much. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with euphoria. I mean, that's like, that's the thing. I, I, there is a balance, you know, and it's, it's like, but sometimes when people come and they're like, oh, you know, I'm afraid of getting high, which sometimes with pain, that means we're using topicals because that's yeah. non-euphoric. But then I'll be like, well, what are you using 
for pain. Oh, I'm using Norco. Well, what are you using for anxiety? Oh, I'm using Xanax. And it's like, right. well, you're, you're getting high too. <laughs> right. You know, and, and we can use lesser amounts to feel relief, mm-hmm. which when you feel relief, that in itself can be euphoric. That's not in a debilitating way. Right. You know, it's it's right. easily controlled. And there's ways to understand your dose so you're not right. going to those extreme levels. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's like every so often, I know for myself, like, I, I used to dab a lot more, especially when I first started working in a, in a dispensary because it's like I wanted to try everything and I was yeah. really excited about it. Yeah. With um, you on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 wonderful. Yeah. Um, but then it's like I did realize I was over over flooding my receptors. But that doesn't mean that like at a party I'm not going to like if something if there's some delicious concentrate, I'm totally going to try it. Sure. It's just I can't do it like on the regular. Right. It doesn't create the balance that my body needs. Right. And and I think it, the dabbing culture too can have the effect of, I mean, it's bad for your pocketbook if you're if you're dabbing morning, noon, and night, and your body is just used to having that much cannabis in your system that you need that much cannabis. You know that you're gonna have to spend tons of money, like maybe maybe take a little bit of a tolerance break and come back to flower for a minute, and then mm-hmm. re enjoy how it makes you feel if you try a little bit less. Um, I think. Dabbing is amazing. I think the high that you get from it is is incredible. I think that the flavors that you can get out of a dab are, like, so pure and delicious. Um, But I think that there's also a good uh, space for us to step back from it and say, like, yeah, these things are very good and delicious and I love them, but I'm not going to do them Monday through Friday and then on the weekends twice or whatever. I hear that. Well, I think even just, like, for me personally, and, and when I'm teaching classes and it's more for um, where people are really actively looking for symptom management stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, I, it's all, it all manages stuff, but when they're actively looking for it. And it's like just having those conversations about how to make sure that the body, because the body is so adaptable, like how to make sure that they're still getting the relief that they need and they're not upping their tolerance. And it's not for shame of, ooh, you have a really high tolerance because like, what? whatever right that's like a whole thing in itself <laughs> yeah that is but it's more of you know how how to how to not have to spend a ton on it because it is expensive and we've got so much work to do especially with our critically ill like getting yeah. those programs back up and running to help people out with that too yeah and what i mean what's cool is the medicine is getting better mm-hmm. um it's getting more um with dabbing the the isolating the the flavors and the terpenes and everything like that is amazing and and also the products are getting better to enjoy it so you don't have to do like an extreme dab off of a, like a really crazy rig like you can you can use a, a different type of uh, vaporizer or something like that that you can use much much less mm-hmm. and still feel the the amazing effects and save money and uh, and you don't have to be like flaunting your cloud all the time, but <laughs> it's part of it. It's part of it. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, but I mean, that's, I think, the thing that's interesting, too, just with the whole, like, cannabis culture. Yeah. There are so many different parts of it where people, like, nerd out on on different things or that, you know, yeah. different aspects, whether it's, like, art, fashion, music, um, just concentrates in general. Yeah, there's there's so, there's so many ways to explore cannabis, and you, yeah. if you like cannabis 
at all. Like you, you can find your own niche of cannabis that you're really, really interested in. Like I, I love cannabinoid science. Can I love finding too. out what, like, what's next in the in in science and where the studies are going and like where uh, the genetics of cannabis are going and where we're going to be um, in the future with cannabis. And and that's the that's a a place that I go down. But I also love a lot of different. Uh, elements of cannabis that uh, are beyond that. Um, you know, I love the I love the social culture around it. I love uh, the social clubs that we have here in San Francisco where you can go and you can smoke and you can enjoy everyone as if you were having a drink at a happy hour, but you're at the dab bar. Like, it's pretty amazing um, to have these places. I, I went on a freaking dispensary crawl where I went to several of them in a row and just like experienced them in different in different ways and tried a joint here and a volcano over here and and it was super fun and I I feel like in the cannabis industry uh I you know you usually meet friends and you'll say like let's go out for a drink or whatever at this point in time like some of my friends I they don't even they don't drink and I don't even know that like until several months later <laughs> you know because we're just <laughs> been having so much fun enjoying cannabis together that it's not even a uh, doesn't even come into play. And they're like, Ellen, I don't even drink. And you're just like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, really. The, the conversation doesn't come up that often. If usually, usually people are, you know, using cannabis or just using cannabis at that moment. Yeah. I mean, when I go to a bar, I usually have, uh, I have something that has ice in it that's I drink once in a while, yeah. but normally I'm stepping out to have a joint afterwards. And it's nice. I mean, who knew that we were going to have, you know, we need to do more with consumption, public consumption, but who knew that we'd be able to do it at all in the way that we can do it in yeah. San Francisco? Yeah, it's really amazing. I, I, I don't think the word is out yet. I'm trying to tell people, like, come down, come yeah. down. There's places where we can go smoke and, and hang out and have some tea and you know, there's game nights. There's all kinds of cool stuff going on down here. And I think that's one of the things that we really need to work on in, in cannabis, too, is the, having these spaces. Like, is it really legal if we can't smoke it anywhere, like, but our own homes? Like, no, we need we need places to gather. It's not something to be afraid of. Um, if you can go wine tasting in Napa Valley and go from one winery to another winery to another winery and have you know, the police be congratulating you by the end of the day. Like, there is a culture of drinking in, in, in California. Uh, we love our wine. I love wine as well. well but I'm looking for the day when we're like, okay, we can go down to Napa and then we can go to this grow and experience the, the little plants and see how they make it and then taste the cannabis and then go to the next one. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like you do when you go wine tasting. That's what I want to see. I don't think it's too far off. I, I hope I hope we see that, and I hope we see that you know, as far as like interstate, like inter intercommerce trading, as far as like being able to have cannabis from other states, just like we do with wine, where we're able to experience wine from other locations. Right. That would just be. So we have beautiful cannabis appellations here in California. We oh, we're growing yeah, we like the dankest bud in the world. So yeah, <laughs> um, and, and it's already going all over the place. Yeah, you know? so that is true. Let's let's talk about uh, making it more accessible to the nation in a in a more regulated way, and also just honoring California as the place of origin for all this delicious stuff. And and why that is is because California is one of the best places in the world to grow anything, right? That's so true. So That's so true. Like, yeah, we, we just have such a rich history with it. 
And everyone knows that if it came from California, it's probably pretty good. And the genetics, so we have so much, like, cannabis genetics are, like, out of control out here, you know. And the people yeah. that want to create new strains and are, and are over the old strains and ready to go move on to the new ones, the flavors are just blowing up and uh it's just so fun oh yeah i i worked on a couple of books with um ed rosenthal um in terms of his big buds books and just flipping through it and seeing like all the different strains and like how they grow and you know what's coming next and the generations that we're going to it's it's really interesting the genetic diversity that we still have in cannabis there's still so much that we haven't been uh commoditized to like be like there's only two types of corn and this is what you're going to get at the store right right like it's really exciting to have all these options and have all these different kinds of cannabis and to be able to not only for the taste and the effects but just like to 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 continually like find something new is is one of the best parts Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i wonder like when you think about like california i wonder how many with the genetics, like, how many thousands of different cultivars have actually come out of California? Oh, my gosh. Well. Could you imagine? Yeah. It's most of them. Yeah, most <laughs> of mean, them. I got, mean, we got, like, the skunk number one, and then we got Northern Lights coming here, uh, in the, but mm-hmm. we got all our Amsterdam genetics and all our seed companies from, from Europe, but at this point in time, we're, we, California's got it. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah, and I would love, too, that people are starting to rediscover their love for SunGrown. Yeah, that's really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, SunGrown, especially in, in it, part of that, the culture around cannabis and the, the love of uh, of those big, beautiful indoor bud shots and what defines good cannabis was was cannabis uh, media. Mm-hmm. You know, they were only putting those 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 buds in there. They were only putting the indoor buds on in the spreads. People saw that and said, we want that and only that. And I think that one of the things that we're trying to do at Cannabis Now is uh, show people that SunGrown is also a very viable option. Um, it's delicious. It's so much more, it's so much better for the environment. Yeah. Um, and, and it, and it's cost effective. And, and the whole reason that we, that sun grown is like, or out, outdoor cannabis is so ashamed is because we had to be, hide it. We had to hide it away, right? We had to hide it behind closed doors. It was illegal, you know, to grow it inside, hide it, hide it, hide it. Now that it's legal, let's not hide it anymore. Let's bring it out. Like, let's, right. let's grow it the way that it should be grown. And there's nothing like the sun. I mean, right. we, we can't say that the lights that we use to grow indoors have the full spectrum of the sun. Right. We don't have that grasp yet. Right. Oh my gosh! I got to go to uh, the Wham Garden. Oh, yeah, Wham. Yeah, I mean, you know Wham. They're oh, the like yeah. amazing uh, innovators. Uh, the Women's Alliance for Medical Marijuana in Santa Cruz. They they fought for medical marijuana. They got shut down by the feds. They came back. Like they now they are existing in this new legalized environment. And I got to go to the grow in the Santa Cruz mountains, and what they had was a whole land race jewel box. So it was like, and I you would walk through it. It would be like this is the uh, you know, this is the Jamaica section, and it was like, you know, Jamaican lion and like all this cool stuff. And it was like, okay, here's Colombian gold, and here's, and it was interesting seeing the land race strains all growing together in, in the diversity of the plant, yeah. um, but also the, how the way that the land races uh, grow, like they don't need all the trellising and support because the branches are are strong enough. They were they're ready to to go. Like that's that's the genetics. That's the original genetics. And I thought that was that was so fun. And yeah. it was and the Wham can do something like that because they're not doing it for a profit. Right. 
Right. They're doing it for the patients and they're doing it for um, the plant. And so, like, here we are. We can see all these cool genetics. We can see all these different Landry strains. I love throwback stuff. I'm like, yeah. I do, too. (laughs) I do, too. And and Valerie and and her team, just the the work that they do, like, how they've supported the patients. They're pioneers. Yes. Yes. And like I said, people in this industry are accessible. Like, she was ready to have us out. She had us at the grow. Julia, or my associate editor, Julia Clark Riddell, wrote an amazing piece about Wham um, and our experience there at the grow. Um, in a previous issue. So yeah, you can read I that read on cannabisnow.com. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And I and I was I was an accessory. <laughs> like I drove my car down, hung out. I just wanted to see the land race trains. Don't tell my boss, but <laughs> you don't get to see you know, that, I didn't though. write the story, but I got to experience all the fun of being there and uh, exploring the land race and and meeting Valerie and really t- seeing um her work and and letting her know how important she is and what she has done to the movement and letting her know that what she has done so far has not been forgotten. Right. And I think that was that was really why I wanted to like explore that, um, especially in this environment where we're losing the collective model, where uh, medical marijuana is so much in jeopardy. I want to remind people that these uh, organizations are still around. They're struggling and they still need your help. Yeah, they they need all of our help. Um... And just and also the fact that there's a lot of female pioneers in the work that don't that that we can't forget about. Right. We can't forget about all the people that make it possible for us to freely do the work that we do today. We owe them a lot. They risked a lot. They weren't looking to make money. They are looking to help people. Right. Another person that is like my personal hero is Alice O'Leary Randall and you know her too. Yeah, Alice is wonderful. I met her at Patients at a Time. Yeah, so she she contacted me. It was a case of mistaken identity. She contacted me. It was it was funny. It was a Twitter message and she thought that I was Ellen Comp. And Ellen Comp is amazing. She works for California Normal. Um, she is an amazing pioneer in this industry, but I was not Ellen Comp. But I resp- I was so excited and I responded back and I made a connection with Alice and then I got her once I found out who she was, that she was uh, the wife of Robert Randall, who was one of the first federal patients to ever receive medical marijuana, and that she had fought for marijuana for as long as she had and become a nurse and then turned it around. And um, once I found out all of her story, it was a unique t- – and, and also she's an incredible writer. She's an incredible writer. I um, enjoy her articles. She's a powerhouse. Yeah. So I said, this is great, Alice. I'm, I'm so glad you thought I was Ellen Kampf because I am <laughs> – I'm not Ellen Kampf, but I'm so glad that you put us in touch and that will you please write articles for me? Will you please share your knowledge? And she is, you know, she's doing those things. She's going to patients at a time. She's going to the conferences in Barcelona. She's in it for the right reasons. Yes, yeah, she is. Um, and uh, I get a chance to find those people and then give them a platform to share their stories too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, I mean, she's not just sharing her story. She's, she's sharing all kinds of information that is pertinent to medical uh, marijuana and marijuana in general. Um, and she is around, you yeah. know, that's another thing. Like she's, she's still around. She's talking, she's, she wants to be involved. Like it's really, really cool. It is. I, I really, I, I'm grateful that you do what you do so that people are aware that people like Alice and Valerie are here and need, need not only do they have so much to share and they've done so much and they should be recognized and also their expertise, like people need to be talking to 
these keepers of knowledge so that right. we can really educate and have good laws and better education for health care and also just for the general public, which is something that I'm super passionate about. Um, I, I just... Critical thought is really, really important, critical thought in education, and I think that cannabis illustrates that really, really well. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, well, what else do you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Is there anything in particular? Um, I don't know. I, I, I always want to tell people who might be listening or might not know about the endocannabinoid system, that our body has a natural uh, system that is ready to bind cannabis. And um, it, it, it wasn't built for cannabis, but it is there. And it's interesting to use cannabis in that way to um, a, a make our lives better. But also there's other ways, there's also other things that respond to your endocannabinoid system, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, we did an article, it was like leafy greens and um, omega-3s and things like that. Like, it's interesting and fun to uh, tell people about these uh, uh, things that I think modern day medicine are, are going to be discovered later and we know them now. Mm -hmm. So I'll just throw out a, throw out a endocannabinoid system is good. <laughs> you should look it up and learn more. <laughs> yes, yes, and we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely do some more discussion around that in future podcasts as right. well. But yeah, I mean our our bodies are are built, you know, to be able to use cannabis. I mean, it, most of us can. And the one thing to know is that we're we're walking chemistry experiments, and we all react differently. Some people tolerate it really well. I know I do. It was a huge help for me through my treatment. And even now, today, like, you know, having residual peripheral neuropathy, I don't have to use opiates. Mm -hmm. Rarely do right. I have to use anything outside of my cannabis. But I still function. I still work and write and engage, you know, and, and people are doing that. And it's giving them relief, right. you know. Um, and there are people who don't tolerate it. And, and that's okay, too. Like, there's, you know... It's as with anything. Some people re respond really well. Some people, you know, they're like, ah, it's okay. And other people, it's just not for them. And I think it's kind of one of those macrocosm, microcosm things where it's like, yeah, as in life. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, but the, what I really like is that, that um, endogenous cannabinoid anandamide. Yes, that will bind with our receptors in the same way that cannabis uh, cannabinoid, uh, what do you call them? The when they phytocannabinoids when yes. they're from the plant will will um, bind with our receptors in the same way that endogenous cannabinoid anandamide, and when you get the runners high, how that it has associations with that. So even if you don't enjoy cannabis, your cannabinoid system, like your endocannabinoid system, is in play. Like you have an endocannabinoid system, and it is being activated, whether or not you are smoking cannabis or or not. Like it's it's there. It's in play. So if you have those natural other the natural high, right? That's a uh -huh. that's a trope. But if you, <laughs> if you can get to those natural highs and you don't need it or it's not good for you, that that's fantastic. You can activate your endocannabinoid system in other ways. Yeah, you're you're remaining engaged because. Right. You're you're creating your anandamide, 
And hey, maybe if you don't tolerate, you know, phytocannabinoids as well, maybe it's because you're all set already. Right. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah, maybe you're all good. Maybe you're all good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was amazing to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad that you were my first. And um, I'm honored. Oh, it's always it's always fun spending time with you and definitely geeking out. Right. And you have to come back again. Yes, I will. I will. So great. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening today. Um, We'll be doing a monthly podcast, uh, so tune in. Um, Next month, we'll be announcing uh, next month's podcast guest in the next few weeks. So if you'd like to engage, you can go on to the Planted with Sarah Pion page on Facebook. Additionally, um, I am on Instagram. Uh, Sarah Mitra Pion on Instagram. Um, and also my website is sarahpion.com, S-A-R-A-P-A-Y-A-N.com. Um, I did mention earlier that Ellen is my editor, so I do write for cannabis now as well. So on my website, you'll find links to those pages along with some videos. Um, and also that'll get you onto the Cannabis Now website so you can check out all the other amazing articles. There are some really great writers and also some beautiful imagery. They have some of the most beautiful photo collections of cannabis out there. So check it out. Thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you next month. Take care.